You're listening to the Native Plants Healthy Planet Podcast, presented by Pinelands Nursery. Here are your hosts, Fran Chismar and Tom Knezic. to the listener feedback version of The Buzz brought to you by the Native Plants Healthy Planet Podcast presented by Pinelands Nursery. I am Fran Chismar, you know. And I'm Tom Knezic, and uh, this is going to be the first ever hour-long Fran's Complaint. So, so stay, this is going to be a good one for, this, for all you listeners at home. This isn't even my complaint. <laughs> no, just, just kidding. But, but Fran tends to mention he doesn't like to read the reviews, or he actually promises that he's not going to read the reviews, but he always reads them anyway. So, yeah. so Fran, why don't you get into it? <laughs> what, what happened this time? Well, first of all, I just wanted to complain about myself for how many times I said you know <laughs> in the last podcast. You know, I and I just did <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, there you go. I realized... It's the, it's the you know drinking game. I, it is. Well, you know, I was going to suggest that at first in the Facebook group, and I was like, no, nah, I should make it like a planting game because yeah. everyone would have been dead drunk had it been a, a, a drinking game. But um, I know like I have a tendency to latch on to certain words or phrases mm-hmm. and say it, and I don't know if I've been doing this the whole time, but this was the first podcast that I realized in one sentence, I think I said you know like five times, and then um, Emil started saying it. At, it was almost like it was <laughs> contagious. Yeah. Like I, I provoked him. So, but anyway, uh, with the reviews, I know I had said that I wasn't going to read reviews. I really wasn't going to read bad reviews because I didn't mm-hmm. want it to get in my head. So this was like a four star yeah, review. And we, we get so many fabulous reviews, like we, awesome reviews that really keep us motivated and, and make us want to do more and more. And and I'm not, I'm not a, about or above criticism. Mm-hmm. I'm fully prepared for constructive criticism. Even, you know, if someone just doesn't like us, that's cool too. Yeah. So, but it was just weird for me that it was like a, a four star review, kind of like, it was like a bad review disguised as a four star yeah. review. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I remember you came in the office and yeah. said, Hey, we got a review. And it just didn't hit me the right way. So I, I went and read. I always forget about the reviews and uh, I kind of forget about the podcast until. We start talking again yeah. in here. Yeah. It's like, oh yeah, we recorded that with with so and so last week. And, oh yeah, we did. <laughs> but um, you told me other reviews, so I went and read it. And I'm like, it just kind of, it wasn't bad. It just made me go, huh? I wasn't expecting that. And I think it really was just a misunderstanding misunderstanding of expectations on a listener standpoint in in this case. And and I have no problem with a listener feeling that way. Mm-hmm. It's I you know, I don't want to change anyone's perception if that's how you feel about it, that's that's fine, but I was just a little perplexed because I, you know, I I wasn't even going to address it. I was just mm-hmm. going to look at it and go, "Okay, but then I couldn't stop thinking about it." Oh. <laughs> you know, and then I was like, "Maybe maybe we should yeah. talk about and it." And I I felt the same way. Because I was like, ah, oh, we shouldn't talk about this at all. But I figured, you know what? This is something a listener requested. Maybe we should talk about it and really just kind of straighten the the narrative a little bit. Um, and I'm not going to read the review, but you can find it. If you go to Apple Podcasts, you can find it. And I think it's the only four-star review we have. So it's you'll going be to, to be the most recent <laughs> review. So, But, um, but they basically, their, their gripe was that we were focusing it too was, much on like companies and restoration. I wouldn't even well, say it was a gripe. No, but. they 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 were giving us criticism. They were hoping we could follow this to yeah. to make it more enjoyable for them. They wanted to know more about like what they can do as an individual in their yard in New Jersey, uh, specifically New Jersey. Um, and we're saying how there's so few native plant nurseries in New Jersey as compared to other places on the East Coast. And uh, and the, the other thing, which I actually kind of agree with this one to a, to a point, <laughs> was they said we had a lot of filler. In, in the episodes, which was uh was kind of an an we've cut down on that at least on the not on the buzz episodes but on the the regular episodes um, because we have so much the guests want to talk for so long like we it's such a good conversation and uh, really the filler was just a I don't even call it filler it was more of an attempt for you to get to know us a little better some of our different hobbies and other things about us that uh yeah we want it to be more relatable exactly you know not just a person that you hear interviewing someone we want the listener to get to know us a little bit and we figured that would make it more enjoyable we we really took that out once we started the buzz 
Yeah. And, and we were yeah. able to focus more on the guests for Meet the Guest and the buzz is – you know, because the buzz it gave isn't us a place, going to be for everyone. Yeah, it gave us a place to kind of dive into some of those conversations and some of the other thoughts that we had from those conversations. There's, well, even in the last episode with um, Emil DeVito, he started talking about um, uh, deer being overpopulated in the state and how there needs to be some incentive to take more of them. And he proposed a commercial um, uh, venison industry yeah. in New Jersey, which uh, I know with other more invasive animals they actually fight against that and i i don't want to bring this up in the episode with him he's talking about so many great things yeah and i figured at some point we'll address it where well with wild hogs in the southwest they don't want to to they actually when they capture them and kill them they just dispose of them they don't donate the meat they don't um allow people to eat it yeah and um when i first heard i'm like that's kind of strange but realistically they don't want to assign any value to it once they're donating it to homeless shelters once it becomes something you can get at a restaurant well now they don't want that supply of pigs to run out the wild they don't want the wild hogs to run out so i kind of feel the same with the deer in a way where well if we all of a sudden start taking those deer and giving the homeless shelters which they do already but yeah. making it so there's a commercial industry revolving around it we don't want less deer we want more deer there's a value assigned to it now. So, but I'm I don't want to bring that up with a meal because no, there's so I, many other things we're talking about. Yeah, so. but you know, it's one thing that I wouldn't feel. You know, yeah. for a living, we deal with restoration. Yes, you yeah. know, and, and even though I'm a, I'm a, a gardener, I'm a novice gardener. Mm -hmm. I know what I like. Um, I'm I'm not necessarily the best person to give advice for what you could do in your yard. But considering we have listeners, like our our number. In listens the fifth most state is California. I, yeah. I can't. Oh yeah. I can't tell you what to plant in your yard that's going to be appropriate for everyone that listens. Mm -hmm. We're actually at like a top podcast in Australia. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. And we had uh we have listeners from Washington, from Tennessee, from Kentucky, Michigan, Massachusetts, all over the place. Minnesota. It's it's hard, but we're trying to connect you with organizations that can give you that information yeah that was that was our goal was to connect native plant enthusiasts and newbies with organizations that really could find they could find their spark in something where um and that's one of the and also expose you to different organizations that are working towards the same things just for a different goal um using those same methods for a different goal that's why we brought on like Xer the xerxes society and duke farms uh national wild turkey federation ducks unlimited because they're all doing a lot of the same stuff yeah but it's for completely different goals, and they're doing it in different places in the country. And I, I know you go into the Xerxes Society website, you can find lists of what to plant in a dry site in the northwest or a wet site in the southeast. They give you guides to do all this stuff, yeah, like which I don't, I don't know that stuff. No, Jersey like Friendly Yards is Jersey another Friendly great Yards, example. I know Wild Ones. I think mm -hmm. you can. It, it does free garden design on the website mm -hmm. for for native gardens. I think mm -hmm. on the Wild Ones website. So yeah. it's we tried to, and that's. With the buzz expanding to here's websites that can help you, here's books that can help you, mm -hmm. here's here's all the resources to, to help guide you, make those right choices for yeah. your yard. Because what I like isn't necessarily the right thing or oh, what yeah. you're gonna like. Yep. I yeah. guarantee it's not. Yeah. So yeah, we like we were just saying we've created an all filler episode. In the month, <laughs> so if you want to hear Fran talk for for hours and hours on end, that's your that's your place. Or if you and, don't, you can skip the buzz. And you there's don't have people to who to yeah, there's people who don't like the buzz. My dad being one of them. He's he gets to hear us talk all the time. He doesn't want to hear us. Yeah. But he loves hearing. A lot of them are his friends. Some of our guests were yeah. are old friends of his. Like Emil DeVito is an old friend. Yeah. Um, Russ Fenari is another old friend, and he likes hearing these experts talk really in depth about the topics they are so passionate and so knowledgeable about where my wife who's really just scratching the surface of native plants she really likes the buzz episodes and she kind of skips some of the the regular interview episodes because they're a little bit too deep for her she just is just scratching the surface of this stuff. yeah I, my fiance loves the buzz more it's that's more her depth in the industry mm -hmm. um you know and and then rooted discussions for someone that wants it even a step further yeah. gives us a mm -hmm. chance to really dive deep into a subject which mm -hmm. we don't really get to do on the buzz uh and we don't really get to do on you know when we have one organization on mm -hmm. where we're we're dealing with that organization not like the full topic at hand sometimes yeah. so this allows us to really get you know down and dirty with a, a whole topic for a long time yeah with different viewpoints mm -hmm. not just one exactly. point so exactly um but you know what <sighs> I, I'm, 
even though I, I promise I wasn't going to read reviews and I, I still look almost every day <laughs> to see if there's a review, <laughs> I'm kind of glad I did because it. I'm, I'm happy. You know, some of our listeners have actually messaged and mm-hmm. said, hey, I have some criticism. I didn't want to put it, you know, make it public because yep. I didn't want to put yep. it in a bad light. But here are my thoughts. And, and you know what? They were great criticisms, and mm-hmm. I appreciate a- any feedback, positive or negative. Uh, but you can't – for as much as we want to make everyone happy, we're yeah. not going to make yeah. everyone happy. I think with the current system, we can. Mm-hmm. But th- the nice thing about this one, I'm glad we read the review because it really – it inspired us for this episode. We didn't really yeah. have a topic for this episode. Oh, yeah. It kind of inspired us for, for you know, we just had a, a three days of snow here in in New Jersey, mm-hmm. and um, <clears throat> it kind of made us think, hey, what can you do right now? Now's a mm-hmm. slow time, uh, and we kind of, you know, when we discussed, I just said, you know, now it's going to drive <laughs> yeah. me crazy. But in rooted discussions, we discussed that sometimes winter is the best time to to get things done. Oh yeah, but you're yeah. you're busy, but it's a different kind of busy. So we thought, what are some winter gardening tips? Not just for New Jersey, just anywhere that experiences. Eh, it doesn't even have to be if you get snow. We mm-hmm. we thought we would give some tips that would help you in your winter garden. Yeah, yeah. I guess unless you don't have winter, then if you're yeah. in Southern Florida, we're not helping. We're no. not helping you much with this episode. No, but. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's true. We're helping, I think, a good but, portion. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, and and even though one thing before I forget to, I wanted to say it earlier, and I kind of got sidetracked. Even though we're in New Jersey and we bring on a lot of New Jersey organizations, mm-hmm. that's because that's who we deal with and we're familiar with. We hope to to expand that. We've had some international and national mm-hmm. organizations, and we hope to expand that out to make it more relevant to everyone so even people in the northeast can see what they're doing in other parts of the country yeah, exactly so but right now we're we're focusing on wintering tips i was kind of looking out the window yesterday thinking well what can you do right now and i think yeah. we came up with a pretty good list yeah some basics. oh yeah definitely definitely you want to go you want to give the first one or you want me to give the first i'm gonna one? let you give the first okay. one so and and this has been a topic for us for the last you know, a few times in the last couple episodes, now is a good time to remove invasives. Um, sometimes when plants are in leaf, like I would have honeysuckle coming in to bushes, and you you can't get in that they're they're so dense that mm-hmm. you can't really see with all the leaves what's going on. Now with everything defoliated, like I have a lot of greenbrier coming up in in some of mm-hmm. my my hedges. And it's really easy to get in there and identify. You could see those thorns uh, now, and and I, you can tell the branching structure. You could see the difference in the color of the stems, and it's easier to get in and dig that out mm-hmm. uh, and really get rid of it. So now's a good time for spotting invasives when they're dormant where you can really – if you, you go in and you're able to, to cut them back or, or dig them out, now's the time. Oh, yeah. I think it's a, it's a yeah. great opportunity when you can really focus on it. Mm-hmm. You know, when it's spring and summer, there's so many other things you could be doing in your garden. Yep. Now, so yeah. I, that's that's a good thing that you could do now. Yeah, and even scaling that up a little bit um, in the next couple months, again, here in the Northeast, we're going to be seeing one of the first things that blooms is the Bradford pear. Yeah. And that's just a great way to identify that plant because it's one of the only things that's blooming at that time of year. And a great time to identify it, a great time to get rid of it if you're if you're able to. Completely, mm-hmm. completely. Yeah. Uh, one of the other things that you definitely can be doing right now is planning ahead. Just thinking about all, trying to remember if you were if you were really on top of things, you were keeping notes on what you wanted to do in your garden last year. We said, oh, you know what? There's a little hole in the garden right here where a plant I put in didn't fill out quite enough. Or, um, or oh, I always wanted this plant. Well, now's the time to kind of go back over those notes or go back over what you recall from the last year and start to plan and think about well, what plants am I going to get? Where am I going to put them? Where do I have a need? What's done? And kind of get it all in writing now, or at least get it in your in your uh, brain space, so that you're not unprepared going into the year. You have a or what was it? Our, one of our listeners uh, and friends, Roz, uh, Roz Dormus, yeah. um, even mentioned in our Facebook group that she is already placing her spring orders. And uh, if you let your nursery and garden centers know what you're looking for, they can include those plants in their production to increase their orders from their other vendors. John Mark Courtney from Kind Earth mm-hmm. said that he they kind of treat their retail like wholesale, and they they allow people to pre-order so mm-hmm. that it's ready. Yeah. Uh, that's yeah. that's a great time to do it now. 
you have the time, the availability is still pretty good. Or, mm-hmm. or if we haven't started production yet, we can increase yeah. production if we know there's demand for something. So yeah. Yeah. now's a really good time to do that. Um, another thing that we thought of, we, we talked about how important leaves were. Uh, that was – we had a couple uh, listener questions about leaves. So did you save your leaves or you're composting them? Now's time to kind of spot check to see – um, if there's holes in the in the garden that that need to be touched up or, or fixed up, now is the time to make sure you're taking care of that. So, if you saved your leaves and and you have some areas that could use a little bit more to help uh, for these these colder temperatures, we're we're going down in the teens, I think, every night next week. Yeah, you know. So yeah. now's the time to really make sure that you you took good care of your beds, your gardening mm-hmm. beds. Um, Take notice, especially in the snow, it's really easy to see. But how many birds do you have? Uh, are there a lot of birds visiting your garden? If not, maybe it's time to think about what are some shrubs or plants that you can put in that provide some some forage for them over the winter. Um, they don't necessarily need bird feeders and bird seed if you have the right plants there to hold them over. I the was going to say bird feeders aside, if you have yeah. bird feeders right now, especially in the so- snow, mm-hmm. you have birds. Yeah. But if you didn't have bird feeders, is there enough food? Did you, is there enough burying things? Is there enough cover for them? Do you, do you have birds active in your your garden? So now's now's the time you would know, especially with the snow. So just take an inventory of that, and if not, start thinking about what you can add to that garden to yeah, to, yep, to make exactly. sure you have the birds taken care of. Uh, one thing that I'm not always great with are are your pruners sharp? Are you ready yeah. when spring comes? Now's the time you can really do maintenance on all your mm-hmm. tools. Make sure you're yeah. sharpened. Do you have the right tools? Yeah. They might, maybe you need new stuff because, oh, those those clippers were a little bit sticky last year, and you've had them for 20 years. Maybe you need a new pair. Yes. Uh, and you didn't get them for Christmas, so you're going to have to go, go and get them yourself. Yeah, and, well, and sometimes off-season you get better prices yeah. on some of these things. Yeah. You can get last year's model, something like that. So Yeah, and if you're uh, – uh, on, it's on something on your honey-do list, and you're not necessarily the one. Now's the time to put off buying those tools at the same time because then you can kind of save that weekend and say, oh, I don't have the right thing to do, it, so i can wait till <laughs> next weekend if you really want. <laughs> I've done that a lot. <laughs> Me too. Me too. <laughs> so uh, another thing you can start now, and something we're starting in the nursery, if you're growing from seed, now's a good time to start at least at the very least stratifying your seed, if not even seeding into trays. Um it's just that time of year where the day length is starting to get a little longer. The light is starting to get a little bit more intense. Uh, if you have a heated space, or even if you have grow lights and, uh, and can make a heated space, now's a good time to start those seeds so you have a bigger, more mature plant going into your planting season. You know, some of these seeds need winter stratification. Mm-hmm. You have to really plan for that. And sometimes some there are some seeds that need two cold periods and two warm periods. So... Just kind of know that. Do a little bit of research on the seed. The seed that you get isn't always stratified appropriately. Yeah. So just yep. make sure you you kind of know what what the seed needs for stratification. You can find you're not going to find everything, but mm-hmm. you can find a, a good number of things. Oh yeah. For, and yep. and that's what some of these groups are for. If you're a member of our Facebook group, throw it out there and say I have this seed. Can anyone tell me about the stratification? Mm-hmm. I'm sure the combined knowledge of that group, someone yeah. has yeah. had experience with it. Oh yeah. Um. Mm-hmm. One of the things that that you can also do is assess damage uh, plants from winter storm. Uh, there may be some some pruning you need to take care of, or you may want to collect some of this wood and keep it for yeah. later in the year to put out to help with wildlife uh, or or other insects. It, it doesn't hurt to have dead wood mm-hmm. in the garden for for habitat. Yeah. Oh yeah. So keep some of that. Like identify what would be good, what things may need to be fixed or planted or or moved, you know, because of damage. So that's, you know, something may be getting damaged every year, and you may say, mm-hmm. this isn't the best place for this. I may want to move it. Yeah. So now's a good time to to do that. Yeah, and the last one is uh, if you're really good at this, is start designing your own garden for the upcoming year. Um, you might have a new project. You might have a, a tree that you want to start planting around, or you have a, a bed in your, in your yard that you want to redo. Well, now's a great time to do that plan. Uh, again, we kind of even mentioned on earlier is you're going through that thought process, you're planning it out, you're figuring out what you're going to need to order, what you need to get, and well, why not do it right now? Especially yeah. in, during a snowstorm, <laughs> snowstorm like we had yesterday, you're sitting inside already. Well, get yourself a cup, cup of coffee and a piece of scratch paper and just kind of plot out what you're looking for. Yeah, that's great advice. Who knew? Who yeah. knew? I, who knew we could come yeah. up with that many great things? Oh yeah. 
So there's plenty to do. There's always plenty to do, mm-hmm. and it's it's obvious in the spring and summer yeah. and the fall when you're doing it. But the winter's not as there's there's always some things that you could do to fine tune, mm-hmm. and now's yeah. a great time. And that's Fran. I got to be honest. I actually took some of these from uh from my wife because <laughs> so with our other side business, Pinelands Direct. Yeah. Um, we start an email newsletter, and for the first of every month, she puts out a checklist of what you need to do that month. Oh, that's great. And I was like, oh, this is perfect. It's already planned out. It's a nice little graphic. I'll actually post it in the Facebook group um, just because I find it really helpful. And I found other email lists I've been on where they kind of do that, and they give you a month-by-month checklist. Okay, this is what this is what you need to do this month. This is what I need to do next month. And um, it keeps you on schedule. It keeps you on task. And, yeah, maybe you get a little bit behind, but you're not in june saying oh i wish i did this back in february because now i have to wait till next february to actually do it so no that's that's all great so keep your eyes out i'm going to post those in the in the group once we're done uh with this episode i think that's wonderful so are you ready for our next segment i am all right let's do it Would you like to go first or would you like me I'll, to go first? Yeah, I'll go first because okay. it actually touches on the last thing. And just for everyone who's a new listener, because we have quite a few of those now. Yes. Um, that's how it's a section where we kind of talk about some of the things, or I shouldn't say things, but the plants that have really sparked our interest just walking around the nursery or driving around or things that we're seeing um, that have a little extra importance this week. Yes. So mine this week we kind of touched on was uh, actually um, – is echinacea purpurea, which a lot of you are thinking, well, <laughs> that's something that blooms in, in June, July, August. Why are you talking about that now? Well, it provides really good seed uh, um, forage for birds. Yes. And um, over with this storm, a lot of the people in our area and some of these native plant groups, I was seeing all kinds of videos of people putting up, and it wasn't just echinacea purpurea, but they were showing videos of the birds just going crazy on these seed heads from things like echinacea purpurea and even um, uh, what's it, agastache uh, funiculum or agastache funiculum. Um, Monarda fistulosa is another one. And the birds are really just, they really rely on that when there's snow. And not that they're not visiting these seed heads at other time, but they were really hammering those seed heads hard. And uh, there's actually one echinacea plant that I have in our front garden that I forgot the trim back i don't know how it's kind of in the middle of everything and uh-huh. i just missed it and of course i went out there i looked in the snow there's seed all over the or seed husks all over the ground around it and little bird footprints and all that so i know they were happy for the one plant i left and the next year i'm going to plan to leave more up if not all of them up and that's so. a that's a great tip right there a lot of people want to get ahead of the game and do a lot of fall cleanup but you really want to let some of these seed heads go and and go to seed and and create more plants or create winter habitat or winter food for a lot of birds and and, and uh, other animals that use them. So it, it's always good. Some things some things die back. Uh, I know we mentioned it in another episode, like roses. If you mm-hmm. prune them in the fall, they die back from the tip. So you're actually if you cut them back too far in the fall, you're damaging mm-hmm. the plant. It's recommended that you do it in March. So some yeah. of these things is a much better March cleanup. It, it may not give you the look that you want over the winter, but you're really helping habitat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if, and if just for to finish that up, it's a dry site plant and uh, not necessarily native to New Jersey. It's considered inventive in New Jersey. Yes. But uh, as some of the experts we've talked to, it's a great gateway plant because it's so um, available for from just regular garden centers. It's native to the United States, it's something that people recognize. The everyday someone who gardens is going to know that plant and recognize it, and then be like, "Oh, it, it's native too." Some of this other native stuff must be good as well. Yeah. So that's it's a gateway plant in my opinion. Okay. Mine, mine is a little bit of a stretch. So <laughs> <laughs> for for anyone that's watching this on uh, YouTube, I, I just switched my background to show the my my mm-hmm. plant. So it's Emil Devito was talking about his favorite shrub was spice bush and it, it made me go out into the houses and look and now's the time of the year that the buds are starting to swell like mm-hmm. and it starts to make you think of spring because it's you're getting a swelling bud mm-hmm. and it's it it gets like a globose like a like a rounded bud um and it does swell early it's one of the first things to bloom it will bloom it's like a, a pale yellow flower before the the leaves come out so it really stands out and a lot of times it's a moist woods it's a facultative wet species um but it does have yellow fall color. It has scarlet fruit, songbird, and game birds love the fruit. It gets 6 to 12 foot. You can keep it 
towards that six foot mm-hmm. if if you'd like it's it's you can prune it very well if 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 you'd like it pruned plus the foliage and fruit are fragrant hence the name spice bush sure. so plus i i know some of our listeners have been sharing in the facebook group about making tea with native mm-hmm. plants spice bush oh yeah um the the leaves and from what i understand the fruit both make a really good tea so if you're interested in a spice bush tea mm-hmm. uh that may be one that that you can use yeah very cool so all right i'm gonna switch my yeah. and that my, wasn't as uh as far of a stretch as me using andropogon virginicus <laughs> which i <laughs> no. almost want to use again because he sent us both a great picture over the weekend of andropogon virginicus in the snow with his kids playing and all that it was yes. actually a really cool picture yes it, it was a great picture and it was great to see the plants that the plants really popped yeah. as well yeah. so it was it was it was great to see that so um all right so i guess we're on to our next segment you can get with this or you can get with that so we we do have to go into the winner yeah yeah so the the winner of this round of this or that Tom, Tom, yep. crushed, kill, crushed me thirteen Absolutely to three, and yeah. it, it was really thirteen to two. And I had one vote on YouTube, and I don't <laughs> yeah. even know if we're counting that. Oh no, that's good. No. We All right. always say you got to vote in the group. They they um, said they the, the person said they didn't have they Facebook. didn't have a Facebook, so I, I it didn't help me anyway. Yeah. So, but <laughs> we are now tied overall three three. Uh, so it's been pretty pretty steady. Yeah, I, here's the one thing I have learned. I have no idea what our audience. Once. No. Oh, yeah, definitely not. I, because I, I've I've picked articles which I felt were pandering that that didn't go over well. I picked articles that were self indulgent that went over very well. Mm-hmm. I really have no idea what is going to win on a weekly yeah. basis. Yeah, I really have no idea. I don't know if you have a formula yet. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> at first, when I was winning, when I won the first two, the third one, I really went out for a stretch to see. Oh, maybe they just like me better, and they didn't because I think you crushed me that week. But it was nice to be back on the winning side again. It's been a couple, uh, a few hard weeks for me of losing. So no, it was but nice to, <laughs> nice to be back. I I love that we make it a competition though. Yeah, I yeah. It, it keeps it interesting every week. I try extra hard with the articles to make sure because there can be only one (laughs) (laughs) so So you get to choose would you like to go first or would you like to go second i'm gonna go first okay so and again this is this or that where we're going to present our favorite news stories in the plant space and you get to vote on who did a better job of presenting their article because like fran just said everything's got to be a competition it has to be it (laughs) has to be there can only be one winner yeah this week uh i picked a a story now i gotta find remember the name of the the paper <laughs> it was uh lancaster online okay. and it was actually based on a presentation at the pennsylvania farm show that just took place a couple weeks ago um and it was titled i just got off the page it was titled does your backyard stream need rehab here's what to look out for from snails to invasive plants oh okay and so this is actually something that probably helps uh, a lot of people who are listening, if you have some kind of waterway, uh, specifically a stream, but any, even if you had a creek, yeah. are those the same thing? Or a creek? Depends a on creek. where you live. It could be a creek. Uh, if you have a river front, if you have anything like that, this is a really good indicator. Um, but a stream in particular, you have the chance to make the biggest impact on. Um, and the article basically said that streams are a mixed blessing. They're really nice because to have that water flowing through your property gives you some opportunities to do some really cool stuff if you have kids it's great for them to go in and play in um but at the same time it can cause some erosion problems it can cause some flooding problems so it's not like i said it's like it's kind of a mixed blessing yes it's not necessarily always a good thing and uh and sometimes if you don't pay attention to it yes it can become a very bad thing yes so Uh, One of the things they point out is that in healthy ecosystems, rainfall and precipitation infiltration, um, actually 50% of that water is going to infiltrate into the ground. 40% of that water is going to evaporate, and 10% will actually be runoff. Uh, To put this in perspective, um, go to your local Walmart and see where the water goes, and it's basically all running off because the water can't get into the pavement, or very, very little is absorbed by the pavement, and then it evaporates on. If you have a healthy system where you have multiple leaf layers, uh, a canopy, um, and this is, could still be a grassland, but you have multiple layers down where there's the water is hitting 
uh, a lot of vegetation on the way down. It's slowing that water from hitting the ground. The ground has a capacity of how much water it can take per hour. Uh, if the water, if the soil is compacted, it's going to take less water than if it's uh, looser and has more pore space. It'll take more water. Um, so healthy soil with a lot of plant life, you're going to get 50% of that rainfall or precipitation is going to be absorbed deep into the ground and replenish your groundwater eventually. Um, that doesn't happen more often than not. Like your the roof on your house, it's rolling off into the lawn, adding to the capacity there. Your lawn isn't really too, doing much. If you have some trees, that helps slow water down. Uh, if you have a meadow, that really helps slow water down and really just filters that water so it doesn't pick up as much sediment. Yeah. Um, and that's the big problem is you get the sediment and contaminants, whether it be um, dog poop is one, mm-hmm. uh, oil from washing your car, uh, soaps, those kind of things, fertilizers, pesticides. Those can pollute that water that then goes into your stream. Um, and fertilizers. Well, I don't remember if I mentioned that one. So Pennsylvania has come up with a program uh, which is called the uh, First Evaluation of Stream Health. Acronym is FISH, which is pretty good for, <laughs> I, yeah, for stream. Yeah, I like that. And it really, it's a, a survey that <clears throat> studies the water quality, um, the embeddedness of of rocks. So if you have rocks on the bottom of this, is there a lot of sand and silt that's kind of covering those rocks or are the rocks up next against each other? Gotcha. Uh, that's an indicator. It studies the macroinvertebrates in the stream. There's a lot of different factors that they look at to kind of say, is this stream healthy or does it need help? Uh, or does it need to go to rehab? And what they said, if you do need to take your stream to rehab, one of the first ways you can do it is just let it rewild naturally. Just stop mowing. Like 10 feet on either side of the stream, if you have the room, just stop mowing there. And the vegetation that's there is going to start to grow up. Yes. If you have the right stuff, it's going to be really good. But you potentially have invasives. You potentially have things that you don't want there. Um, Japanese knotweed was one they mentioned in the article. And that's a hard thing for a lot of people because when they have water, they want view of it. Exactly, they don't yeah. want it to to not be visible. So that's always a hard thing. Yeah. But that, you know, again, that could cut out the, the amount of shade. You mm-hmm. know, is it? Is the stream wide and, and fast moving, yeah. or is it really deep? And, and mm-hmm. you know, it's it. There's a lot of factors in it, yeah. so that's that's a great, yeah, great way to look at that. But just having that vegetation base in place right around the edge of the stream is going to slow all that runoff coming in the stream, help drop a lot of that sediment, so you're getting clean water going into the stream. Uh, and they've shown studies of this where they said just having like a, a 10 foot buffer uh, around a farm field going by a ditch or a stream cleaned your water 90 percent wow just i think it was like a 10 foot buffer um now if you were to have a even wider buffer that percentage is only going up the narrower buffer it's only going down, only going down and it goes yeah. down fast um so that that was a big part of it but like i said you open yourself up to invasives if you just let it regrow what they really recommended and this was still on smaller scales, is to just start planting native plants around it. Plant a lot of wildflowers, plant a lot of um, live stakes is a really cheap and affordable option. Uh, if you don't have things like black willow, uh, if they're native to your area, you don't have those things around you yeah. to collect your own live stakes. They're pretty easy. I shouldn't say easy to get, but you can find them from some places, yeah. from some nurseries. Um, and then the last thing is said that you do need permits over a certain uh, section like footage of stream front and uh, I forget what that was but but you did need permits and they said before you start anything just consult your local soil conservation district because they'll be able to guide you if you need permits or not if something you can do at home but they really advocated for just letting or planting natives around your stream fronts because just because the impact on water quality even if it's only a hundred foot of, of stream you're not having that impact on the water that's just going to keep going downstream that's so, a great article. Yeah, that's pretty cool. That was that was a great article. I I feel as though, well, my article is going to be a little controversial because it's it's been brought up in the Facebook group mm-hmm. before. But I I don't know if it's considered cheating a little bit because one of our listeners sent me this article. Hmm. <laughs> I, I had a little help. My so. mom gave me an article. To, okay, <laughs> to talk all right. About, so, but I didn't I didn't use it. Um, but you, she did give me an article. You know, I'm using it because this topic came up in our Facebook group. Yeah. And. Yeah. And I thought it was clear how we felt about this topic, mm-hmm. but maybe it's not. Um, so the name of this article is The Problem with Honeybees. They're important for agriculture, but they're not so good for the environment. And that was published in Scientific American 
by Allison uh, McPhee, PhD, uh, and she's a, a postdoctoral fellow in the Department of Entomology and Plant Pathology at North Carolina State University. Um, so one of the first sentences in the article that really got me was that beekeeping is for people. It's not a cons- not a conservation practice. And it's true, and, and bees, honeybees are an exotic insect. They were brought to North America. They weren't native here. So they, mm-hmm. they're something that came here, and they're still gathering the data. I know you've read articles before, mm-hmm. uh, not surveys, but uh, studies on, on honeybees yeah. and, and if it's detrimental. And that's the bee that everyone knows. That's mm-hmm. the bee that that's beloved that everyone thinks of honey, but it's not really native to here. And, and what are they doing to our – native population so uh they were saying that honeybees are destabilizing natural ecosystems by competing with native bees um you know and honeybee the honeybee industry actually benefits from the decline of native bees honey is a big industry oh yeah in in our country so they want the success of of this but the, the studies are starting to show that even fruit sets from plants nearest to hives have mainly aborted seeds, uh, which is hurting biodiversity. Uh, so they do know that they outcompete, and it's not that our our bees are bad at pollinating; they're just being greatly outcompeted yeah. by honeybees, and it's making it even harder. And and those populations are declining. So yeah. it was a really good study, and they, they use studies from all over the globe, mm-hmm. uh, nationally and internationally, to, to back up these thoughts. So, you know, to me, beekeeping isn't really, you know, and that's, you know, Benjamin Vogt talks about you shouldn't garden for yourself. Mm-hmm. You're part of the garden. You're not, <laughs> they're not looking pieces for yeah. you. So beekeeping is kind of the same thing. You're, you're you're doing it for yourself. You're mm-hmm. not really doing it for everything else. So I'm not I'm not a big proponent of of honeybees. Yeah, I'm I'm not either. And I kind of got on that train probably it was around like 2014 or 2015. Yeah, because I was presented some research that was actually out of Norway, and I was talking about now European honeybees are native to Europe, but they aren't native in Euro- Norway, and they were finding there that they were outcompeting a lot of their native bees. I was like, well, if that's true there, it's got to be true here. Yeah. And, uh, and then you start seeing research come out of the Carvo Bee Lab in University of Minnesota. Um, and now it's becoming more and more uh, researched from all over the place. But, uh, yeah, they were finding that the honeybees outcompete the native bees, and they're far less efficient at pollinating uh, the natives than native bees are. Yeah. Honeybees are, are way less efficient pollinators than yeah. the native bees. Yeah. But there was more of them. They're working in a hive operation versus a lot of the native bees are solitary bees. There's only one that has a nest and lays eggs. Yeah. Um so yeah, it's something I've always I've been on as an agriculturalist, I do see their importance. You have these huge almond groves in California. Well, that's native bees aren't going to populate that. They don't have enough habitat for native bees because in between each grove is just bare soil or maybe it's grass. Yeah. Um, so you don't have the native bees there. But we've talked to blueberry farmers and and cranberry farmers who uh, the one blue the one blueberry farmer in particular he said I got rid of I used to spend all this money on beehives, and I found just by observing all these native pollinators on the plants around like the clethra and all that yeah. around the the blueberry farm that oh you know i have a lot of these native bees i think they actually do a better job of pollinating yeah. the blueberries than the the bees do and so he just stopped bringing in the bees and he had better blueberry crops because he had more efficient pollination yeah and, so and one of yeah, the inter- very interesting one of the interesting things in the article that it makes sense but i never thought of that honeybees are very efficient at pollinating invasive plants yeah you know they're exotic insects they're familiar with these exotic plants mm-hmm. so things like one of the things they're great at pollinating is japanese knotweed yeah and we just talked about that in the last episode with emil devito mm-hmm. of njcf about that's the one thing we need to get under control yeah. in our mm-hmm. forests and that would open up so much more room for conservation or, or restoration if we could mm-hmm. take care of that plant so Honeybees are actually helping that plant thrive, yeah. which I thought – I'm like, that makes sense. I don't know why I never connected those two things, but mm-hmm. that makes complete sense to me. Yeah. It's amazing how 
I said it in the last or two buzzes ago, how little we actually know and that whole fallacy of knowledge and what we think we're doing is good. And like, I really badly wanted to talk about the, the cocaine hippos in Colombia <laughs> because, but I, I don't think the research is there yet. And you guys all probably have cocaine hippo fatigue by now because it's a little <laughs> bit older of a story. Yeah. But, um, but they were finding down in Colombia how there used to be these megafauna um, that are now extinct and that would browse and, and help clean up rivers and do all that. And uh, they're finding that the hippos are actually doing performing a lot of these ecosystem services that have been missing since a lot of these other animals went extinct. Yeah. Um, and in addition, they were, they were reducing uh, fish poachers. Wow. Because the they didn't want to go down the river with the, the hippos. In there. <laughs> well, that's a pretty cool story that kind yeah. of ties into what we're talking about. Exactly. But we don't know because it's in non-native species too. There, we don't know what the actual ramifications will be. No, no. So, well, so I think that's two great stories. Oh, yeah. We have uh, does your backyard stream need rehab? And we have the problem with honeybees. We'll post this up in the Facebook group uh, where you can vote for either mm-hmm. article. And I think uh, I'm. What do you think? Who do you think is going to win this week? I don't know. Mine, mine is more uh, down home, something you can do to help. Yeah. Yours is more. Uh, I don't want to say philosophical, but scientific. Yeah. And not everyone's sure. going to agree with mine. Yeah. Not you know. Oh I, yeah. There's a lot of people who, and I like I just I tried to mention before. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not necessarily an anti honeybee person. I think they're fascinating. I'm probably still pretty similar in beliefs to what Sam Drogi said. I think they're yeah. fascinating. I think they have a lot of value. It's just not to native plants. Yes, it's yeah. to they're they are a form of cattle. They're good for agriculture, but uh, keep them out of the meadows. Yeah. All right. So there you go. And of course, the choice is yours. So you suggested on the last buzz a new segment, <laughs> and you you kind of hinted to it at the beginning of yeah. this episode yeah. of the bud. It's France complaint. I don't know what what the official title is. Oh, well, we can leave it at that. But I do have <laughs> I do have a complaint, and I did come up with a jingle. I did oh, name wow. the segment. Yeah. So were you ready for the unleashing? Yes. Yeah, I'm ready. Not that I'm one to complain. <laughs> <laughs> so it's called Not That I'm One to Complain. <laughs> so and my complaint is, isn't really native plant ecosystem ecology oriented. Just – in our next segment coming up are questions and the person that called in left such a one they had wonderful phone etiquette and the reason why i'm pointing that out is because i've realized phone etiquette has really just gone out the window since the invention of text messaging i think and maybe i'm sounding like an old codger i was gonna say this is i think this is when as a millennial i'm supposed to say okay boomer (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. you know i just kind of feel like the art of conversation has has been lost, not completely, but the phone out again. I'm not just talking about business wise. Socially, mm-hmm. you deal with, you know, you get phone calls. People don't say who they are, <laughs> what they want. They don't even know how to conduct a phone conversation, yeah. which is weird. Like growing up, I remember standing next to the phone and having my father yell at me for saying something incorrect on the phone like tell them who they <laughs> tell, them, yeah. tell them who you are what do they want you know like it, to me it was just things that like we were yelled at if we didn't have proper yeah. phone oh, etiquette yeah. now it's you're not even around the person when they're on the phone anymore because it's mm-hmm. not like like our phone was in our kitchen if you wanted to make a phone call you can only stretch the cord yeah. so <laughs> yeah. so far down the hallway you can maybe make it to the bathroom or you can maybe make it out the front door if you wanted some privacy but i just kind of feel that Phone etiquette and the art of conversation is kind of suffering mm-hmm. a little bit, and I'm happy that that we're able to give good conversation. Uh, you and I are both very good yeah. at it, and it's I, it's something I would love to see more of. So, mm-hmm. speaking of that, that and I think I may maybe kept that to a minute. Yeah, that was. Yeah, I was. I was even going to say, I've always. I think I learned phone etiquette, etiquette because when I was a little kid, my parents had started this nursery, and uh, the office was in our basement. So over the summer, I'd be home from school, and I would answer the phone sometimes, and they're like, "Oh no, you have to say like who you are and and ask who's calling, and then like then you direct their phone to the call to the right person." Um, so I always grew up with that, and I always I always think about it when I'm leaving a message for someone. 
I don't want to be too detailed. I just want to leave. But I always try and make sure I say who I am, who I'm calling for. I leave my number in the beginning of the message because one of my pet peeves is when I can't get their, I can't write down their number fast enough at the end of the message that I got to listen to the whole message again. So I say, oh, hey, this is Tom Knezic from Finalist Nursery. I'm calling for so-and-so. My number's this number. I'm not going to say it on the air. <laughs> yeah. And then at the end, I repeat that whole – I say what I wanted to ask or what the message is about. And then I say, again, this is Tom Knezic from Finalist Nursery. You, you can call me back on this number. Slow enough. Now, phones today, the, the number pops up. But yeah. you, you still yeah. say it's slow enough that they can write it down yep. if, if, yep. if you're writing it down or – like you said, you don't give yeah. too much information. You make it concise. Like this is why I'm calling. Yeah. Yeah. I don't need all the. I don't give yeah. all the background, yeah. which I could do. But basically, we're we're saying don't leave messages like Saul. <laughs> 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 Speaking of Saul, I'm glad you brought Saul up. There were some comments in the Facebook group yeah, about yeah. our treat or Saul's treatment or our treatment of Saul. We're the first ones to say we love Saul. Yeah. And this is a little back and forth between us and Saul. We tease him. Listen, if you think he doesn't really know that my name is Fran and he just yeah. keeps calling me by the wrong name, you're sadly mistaken. Yeah. He knows he's getting under my skin, and each time he calls me Pam, it's a little yeah. jab. Yeah, yeah. So it's a little, it's, it's a little back and forth. I'm glad you brought that up because I was thinking when we saw the uh, the comments on the Facebook group, and then uh, even my dad said, "Oh yeah, why are you picking on this guy so much?" And I was like. <laughs> Okay, it's a little embellished. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it is. Maybe, maybe, uh, maybe it's it's not all like it sounds to be. But yes. we thought that was kind of clear. A lot of it is. Calls. It's like a, our our big dysfunctional family. Yeah. Like he's a member of family, and we treat each other like family. And yeah. that's very much how I would speak to my sister, <laughs> whether that be a good thing or bad thing. But no, it's it's not meant. Uh, we we don't mean it ill you know it's yeah. not, oh, definitely we, not we're not, definitely not we don't dislike Saul we yeah. actually oh really I love like, when he calls yeah. in yeah. I just pretend that I don't yeah yeah it's pretty much you gotta egg thing. him on so he does it again yes <laughs> and I, I love he's not as forward with yeah. it he does it you know his references are a little bit different like he's he's the jabs are a little under the skin yes like yeah, yeah. The, to the general public you may not get it but yeah. like and I get it if you if you really don't want us to pick on Saul you have to call in with questions because yes. that's when we play the Saul calls is when uh, when we don't have enough other questions to, yeah. <laughs> to take but, up our time. But we don't have a Saul question, but we did get questions. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. And I want to have them answered immediately. It's a simple question. Um, no, I didn't hear you. What was your question? So this question actually came in while we were recording the last buzz. Mm -hmm. And I suggested towards the end maybe we should listen to it yeah. and call the person back. I kind of wish we did because it's a question I could have yeah. actually answered. You, you never oh, yeah. know when these yep. – a lot of the times some of the questions mm. that come in, we don't know the answers, but we know who to ask mm -hmm. to get the right answer. We may confer with our propagator or our production manager and, and get the, the feedback or the, the correct information. So we're giving you good information. Yeah, exactly. Um, but this was one that we could actually answer. So before we get into it anymore, we should probably just play it. Hi, Fran and Tom. This is Matt from Philadelphia. Um, big fan. First time, long time. So I have a question. Um, I've recently been given an opportunity to, opportunity to um, steward a local park, um, a part of uh, Woodland Lot, and it has um, it abuts a lake, and there's a significant Phragmites um, infestation there. So my question is, what's the best way to manage that? Um, and given it's a restoration site, what's the likelihood that if I rip stuff out, there would be like a native seed bank? Um, and how best to activate that that native seed bank? Um, thank you. I I I feel like that's a great question. It um, really is. And, and but my favorite part is how he said that he's a big fan and first time, first, long time. First that that <laughs> made me smile yeah. when when he said first time, long time. That was yeah. like <laughs> I, was, yeah. I love that. Um, so Phragmites, which is common reed grass for, for those of you that don't know what that plant is, you've all seen it. Um, it's highly invasive and it's for us a lot of the meadowlands or mm -hmm. even the roadsides. It, it, it's really good and aggressive of filling in space, mm -hmm. or especially yeah. where there's disturbed soil. It's, it's a taller grass with a, a large plume that you can see really good uh, at this time of the year. And a lot of people see it and go, oh, what's that nice plant? Not realizing that it how harmful it can be mm -hmm. so that's a really difficult one 
to remove. And we deal with a lot of restorations that are Phragmite removal that that some have the success and some don't. So it, unfortunately, it's not something that you can just rip out of the ground. Uh, it has a very thick rhizomal mat, and you have to get it all. And if you don't, it will just very easily, easily and quickly fill back in. So you're actually excavating it all. So what a lot of these jobs do, and again, this is controversial. Not everyone agrees with this. Sometimes it takes two spray – like they get sprayed twice, once to knock it down, mm-hmm. once with with herbicide, once to, to get what they didn't get the first time. And mm-hmm. then they still remove yeah. the active rhizomes yeah. out of the ground. So it's – it's not a really easy one, and then after you 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 excavate it, you still have disturbed ground. <laughs> mm-hmm. Now, I I don't want you to think that it's impossible because it's possible, yeah. Yeah. you know. And and one thing I was going to point out too is, and and you saw this this professor speak. Someone had for Rutgers yeah, gave yeah. A, a talk saying, "Oh, we should just leave it because it it holds the soil, it establishes quickly." Mm-hmm. And we're wasting money getting rid of it. Yeah. What what her report doesn't take into consideration is the food web mm-hmm. and that it it, 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 there, only, it provides some ecosystem functions and it it has the base of the food web. Yeah. Um it, it hosts like three lepidoptera. But it's yeah, what it's what's typically different. in those systems, it's like very, very there's a reason that salt marshes in particular are one of the most um, uh, highest functioning ecosystems in the world, like even higher than, than rainforests in some yeah. accounts. Um, it's not because of Phragmites. <laughs> it's, no. It's because of the Spartina and all the little narrow channelways, and it's just breeding ground for fish, uh, all kinds of crustaceans and invertebrates. There's all kinds of stuff that thrives in that area. It's really the whole the, – um, the, the nursery – of the ocean and bay, yeah. yeah, it's that's where all the little stuff hangs out. And, and you don't really see Phragmites in pure salt marshes mm-hmm. because they can't take that salinity. They really thrive in that brackish yep. area, right. so that brackish or, or fresh water is where they'll start to take over. Mm-hmm. And then you don't see the same functions. You don't get the same ecosystem yeah. function yeah. when when they're present. So um, when you're excavating, you may lose some of that seed bank that's there, depending on how deep that seed bank is, but we were we did talk about a little bit in the last episode with Emil DeVito that our friends at Princeton Hydro were doing a job about 15, 20 minutes from here, and it was a brackish marsh, and it was um, a Phragmites removal. Oh, yeah. And before they had a chance to go in and plant, the existing seed banks started to come up, and it was things like pickerel weed and duck potato mm-hmm. and arrow, arrow and all the things you would think of with a, with a uh, freshwater or a brackish marsh coming up. And it was great for them to see, so they knew exactly what to plant. You can't leave it open too long because you don't want those invasives yeah, to come they're back gonna in. Come back in. So, but you can plant at a spacing and help, you know, give space for the seed bank to come into mm-hmm. an average spacing on center for a restoration that we see most of the time is eighteen inches on center. It can be twelve inches on center if you have the the funds to do that. It can be two feet on center if you don't have as much money to do it or if you're overseeding um, or if something's a little more aggressive like spatter dock you you can go three feet apart because it fills in very quickly so um, those are some of the things it's, it's not going to be an easy task getting rid of it we're not saying you have to spray if, if you can spray you have to really be cognizant of what mm-hmm. else is in that area you have to make sure it's not windy you have to make sure you're not harming other things uh, it doesn't really host a lot of things, so you're probably not killing insects if you spray it. But um, you just have to have a plan in place that you're making sure you're digging it out. Uh, you're getting all the rhizomes, and you have a plan to, to plant pretty quickly after that so that mm-hmm. things can get established. Yeah. So I think that was a, a great question. That was a great yeah. question. I, I'd love more it's of those. The, the one thing I just want to wish them luck with that because that's it's a lot of hard work just knowing – a lot of the the companies and and people that we've worked with that are doing those um, those kind of restorations usually on a lot larger scale, but it's something that takes years and patience and it's it's hard. You may have to go through even if you 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 dig it out 
you may you, you just have to keep going back and checking because mm-hmm. if you miss something, it's going to yeah. stop start coming back. And if up. you have any fra- or phragmites around that area, there's always a threat it's for it to come back blow in. back in. So. Yeah. So, so do you want to do a pod deck? Yeah, let's do it. You know what? I forgot to bring it into the office. So you, can you can you fill space I'm, for thirty <laughs> seconds while I go get the deck? All right. All right. Hold this, on. <laughs> I was going to say this is the sound of a seed package. <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, one of the things that that Fran and I've been talking about that we're actually going to do on the next uh, buzz, we're going to start, and this is also kind of inspired by a review today. Was uh, we're starting a series where we're going to take one buzz buzz episode each to talk about Forbes, one to talk about grasses, one to talk about trees, one to talk about shrubs, and some of our favorites, some of the uses for both for them, and why they're important to the ecosystem um, and just really break down each subset into like, like I said why it's important yeah we we don't you know even though we discuss everything revol- everything that we do revolves around native plants we don't really discuss native plant specifics mm-hmm. a lot and this will give yeah. us a chance just to to get a little bit more in depth and that's that's what the buzz is here for so. yeah exactly I love exactly. that idea so look up uh, look into we're thinking it'll be the next buzz so two weeks from now um, that's our goal, but things may change. So it might be three weeks from now, four do, weeks from now. Do we'll we want to reveal who the next the next guest is? So we're we're kind of breaking the routine, and it's going to be another meet our guest for yeah. the next episode. Yeah. Do you want to say who it is, or do you want to I've, still tease it? I've let's tease it because <laughs> we still haven't confirmed the date. That we're okay. going to record, so All right. I don't want something to fall through. So it, the topic will be foraging. Yep. So our next uh, meet the guest will will be discussing foraging, and I know Tom had already put on the Facebook group questions. We have a lot of great questions oh, yeah. to ask, yep. and I know nothing about foraging. I'm going to be honest. I know yeah. very, and little. I know very, very well. I know more than Fran, but not yeah. much more. Yeah. So. so that will be good. Then we'll have another buzz, and then after that should be our next rooted discussion with the government's role yeah. in uh, restorations and. I'm not going to reveal who the other guests are, but Emil DeVito, we already mentioned that mm-hmm. he will be one of the guests. Yeah. So, And some of our favorite people in this it industry. Is. That's one of the reasons we're so excited about it. It should be a great discussion, and it's and it's from all viewpoints mm-hmm. and, and vantage yeah. points. So, all right. I have the pod decks. Oh, I guess it would be helpful if I didn't didn't uh, hit there's the your, microphone. Yeah, there's your mic. Uh, yeah, mic let's see. Can I? Knock. Yeah, there you go. Boom, boom. All right. Let's see here. Interview your significant other. Like, what are the odds yeah. <laughs> I keep pulling the same one at? Uh, break your business. Discuss how you can put yourself out of business. Oh, oh, for us? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah I can. Yeah. I know how to do that. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, so well, yeah. yeah, for for Pylons Nursery, um. And, and actually, there's a really good example of the right way to do things that happened today that I saw on Facebook. But for Pylons Nursery, for us, it's really just knowing what we're good at. And this, I shouldn't say for us. This is for everyone. Yeah. It's knowing what you're good at, sticking to what you're good at, having strong core values that you can rally every one of your employees around. And they all believe in them. Um, when you have people who aren't the right fit, uh, whether it's for the organization, but just their job. Try and find the right fit for them first in your organization, and then if they're just if they don't match what your core values are, that's when it's time to to fire them. Because uh, when you have a bad employee, it's just bringing the rest of your good employees down. Yeah, and you'll find by by cutting the the uh, the bad employee loose, it just releases the potential of all your good employees. Um, yeah, but the big thing is just being true to what we believe in and we want to be honest we want to have integrity we want to be knowledgeable uh those are the three things that pinelands nursery really uh, and having a family background yeah. we those are the things that we really pride ourselves on is maybe we can't answer your question on the phone but we'll find an answer for you we're going to yeah. try and help you through your your project um and just having that integrity to not not say we're going to be able to do something that we can't do I, yeah, like I guess I'll, I'll take it from the sales standpoint mm-hmm. since I do sales. If, if we wanted to go out of business, I would just very quickly just start saying yes to yeah. everything mm-hmm. um, regardless if it's something we grow or if we've had experience growing it or it's a different size or I would just say yes. you know. But our, our business has been built on honesty and integrity throughout the years and that's what people – they expect 
you know, the right answer from us. I could easily, you know, there's a lot of orders that we've said, mm, we're not going to take that order because I don't think, I don't think that plant's going to survive <laughs> where you're putting it. That's not the right plant for that. You really may want to change mm-hmm. what you're using. And it's not even something that we grow. This is the right plant for it. Contact yeah. this person. Um, we've had, we had a scenario. It was a big project that we didn't get because they wanted a plant earlier than what you could really naturally mm-hmm. produce and we said we can we can supply it two months after the fact but we can't do it here so they gave the order to someone that said they could do it and they couldn't do it and we ended up they they, they took the plants from that person delivered them from us and had us finish them in the time frame that that we said it was was doable so you know if you wanted to break the business don't follow through on any yeah. of your promises uh, just say yes to everything regardless mm-hmm. you know but that's not who yeah. we are that's not what our business yeah. there's a, another phrase that it's under promise over deliver yeah don't over promise and under deliver yeah. that's a good way to not have repeat customers um, but the great example of this that I found today um, and I was actually I forgot I was posting it into our native plants healthy planet Facebook group and I got sidetracked and haven't posted it yet <laughs> but uh it was from North Creek Nurseries, who Steve Castrani from Aru Discussions, he's the CEO um, at North Creek. Uh, well, they put out a special bulletin today that they have stopped selling uh, Carex Flocka. Is that how you pronounce it, Frank? I, I believe so, yeah. Um, F-L-A-C-C-A, and all its cultivars, one of them being Blue Zinger, um, because it had come to their attention that it's a European species and it was um, being found outside of cultivation in Connecticut, Vermont, Kentucky, Michigan, New York, and uh, the Canadian provinces of Nova Scotia, Ontario, and Quebec. Basically, they found that it's potentially invasive. So they decided to stop selling it because they don't want to propagate an invasive plant, even though it's a big seller for them and that it's being specced by all kinds of landscape architects for job sites um, or gardens. So they're being true to their mission, which is to, to... grow plants that are not going to hurt the environment um, and more so to help the environment and not selling and not growing something that found that they're going to lose money right immediately because of that decision. Yeah. But in the long run, they're holding true to their values and, and yeah, people are going to respect them more because of it. Exactly. So, and y- and they'll, basically they'll make more money by not selling it, even though they're losing that cash up front. There, there has to be a balance. If you were to completely just treat a, a native plant nursery as a business, you wouldn't be as successful. If you treated a native plant nursery yeah. solely as something you loved, mm-hmm. you wouldn't be successful. There has yeah. to be a good marriage. You have to be a good business person and do the right thing yeah. and do it because mm-hmm. it's something that you love. And I think all the people that we've talked about or have had on that are successful are successful oh, for yeah. those yep. those reasons. They've been able to navigate both of that together. So yeah. if we wanted to to break our business, we could just go one way or the other, mm-hmm. and that would yeah. You see, well, you well, saw in two thousand eight, there was a lot of nurses that went out of business, and it's because they didn't pay attention to the business side of things. Yeah, yeah. and there's a lot of nurseries that go out of business because their their ownership um, eventually gets a reputation of being just money loving. Yeah, yeah. and uh, and that's all they care about, and they lose all their integrity because. They're just known as being someone who's who's in the money. So it's yeah. I guess it kind of boils down to don't don't just chase um, a quick buck. Arc. Yeah. yeah, you can't just chase a quick buck. You got to work hard and be consistent, have integrity, and eventually you'll you'll become prosperous because of it. Yeah, so. I mean we're we've been successful as we are because yeah. of of how we handled it. And but you have to keep reevaluating and changing. Yeah. Like we could easily just grow just the plants that we love. Mm-hmm. And just that, and that doesn't mean anyone wants them (laughs) or, you know, so you you have to have a good balance and you Mm -hmm. have to have the right people that all are on board with that mission. Exactly. So, yeah. So I guess I didn't, I didn't give a a blueprint for how someone could come in and break our business. (laughs) I don't know how you could do that. Cause if you're doing those things, it would be incredibly hard to break a business. Yeah. If you're, if you're. Like right. integrity is the, yeah. the big one. Just do the opposite yeah. of what <laughs> what we said we're doing, yeah. you know, and that would, <laughs> yeah. that would yeah. break it. So, all right. I think that's it. I think that was a good episode. Yeah. And we kept it. I think we're only about an hour. Perfect. So, Perfect. Because yeah. I got a meeting in you like do, five you minutes. You have a meeting so. in five minutes. So, let's, <laughs> so we're going to have to wrap uh, up let's, anyway. Let's wrap it up. So that is it. Thank you again for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed listening to this buzz edition of Native Plants Healthy Planet, presented by Pinelands Nursery. 
Uh, I want to give a huge thank you to RJ Comer for our Buzz theme music, and and we're gonna premiere RJ's uh, music that he he lent us for root the next rooted discussion. Yeah. So we're happy yeah. about that. Make sure you stream or buy RJ's music on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you consume or buy your music. Follow us on Twitter at Pineland Nursery, no S there. Facebook at Pinelands Nursery NJ, Instagram at Pinelands Nursery, and you can search Pinelands Nursery on YouTube. We're only a few subscribers away from the custom domain. Yeah. So please, if if you're watching our videos and you're enjoying the clips of all these segments of the podcast, please mm-hmm. make sure you hit subscribe. I think we need like 13 more. Yeah. Yeah, we're so, getting really close. And that would do it. Uh, don't forget about the question and, and comment line. Thank you, Matt, for calling in. If anyone else would like to call in, you can reach us at 215 215- Three four six six one eight nine. I will repeat that one more time in case you're writing it down. Proper etiquette. Two one five three four six six one eight nine. Ask a question. Leave a comment. If we pick your question or comment, we'll play it and answer it on a future episode of the Buzz. And uh, we have a, a ton of great members, new members on the Native Plants Healthy Planet Facebook group. So keep growing that community. We mm-hmm. want to see it yeah. keep going. Yep. You can listen to Native Plants Healthy Planet directly at www.nativeplantshealthyplanet.com. But you can also check us out on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you consume your podcasts. Make sure you subscribe and leave a review while you're there. Uh, like you, like we started out this episode, yeah. we saw a review um, that didn't quite sit right with us. And we wanted to address it and yeah. And, yeah. and try and, and help that it. person. Yeah, we... I hope they listen because I hope – I think this um, – helps them for some of the things they were looking for i I think that the person may be starting from the very beginning and haven't really Mm. seen the evolution of the podcast and where we're at but i'm hoping if they they stay on the journey and they get to this episode they could see that yeah we're trying to we are trying to accommodate it all Mm -hmm. yeah and please uh refer a friend to our podcast like we want to spread this message we need more native plants in the world this is how we're approaching it um we want to get this message out there and get more people on this native plant train because it's what the earth needs yeah so. we, we need more people so more people uh last thing as always you can ask alexa to play native plants healthy planet uh by saying alexa play the native plants healthy planet podcast yeah thanks everyone i'm tom <laughs> and i am fran thank you again everyone we appreciate you tuning in every week we'll see you again next time until then keep it native Thank you for listening to the Native Plants Healthy Planet podcast presented by Pinelands Nursery. Remember to like, share, follow, and comment.